It's spring again and birth. Okay, it's not quite spring out there, but anyway, it's going to be spring soon. This is just one of those anomalies. It just happens that if you're going to have a snow, this is the snow you want. Grass only, not the roads, not the sidewalks, didn't have to put down any salt, just let you come in. So welcome, good to have you all here. I uh, hope that you're enjoying this wonderful weather. It's going to warm up and melt off, I think, this afternoon, so uh, it is what it is. Let's see what we have in the way of announcements. First time joining us, if you would, please stop by the visitor station out there, the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you if you join us online for the first time, spdnd.org slash connect. Let us know you're out there. It's always a blessing to us when we know somebody's listening uh, every now and again. We have an indie missions sign up. So this is uh, the teenagers are doing their missions trip in town this year. And so uh, there'll be different places each day. You can use the QR code. Pastor Andrew's got it marked on there what What's happening? What day you can sign up to get involved in as much as you can? That's always an exciting time for us. And uh, breakfast with the stars. That is on Saturday, March 25th at 8:30 at the Golden Corral in Greenwood. There is a special speaker that's waiting to be announced, I guess, right? By the way, how many of you slept an extra hour? You went to bed an hour early. Three. I could I could tell. You're like, oh, uh, it's just it's just an hour. It's like. It's not like the end of the world. People are like, oh, I hate this one. It's like, oh, it's an hour. It's an hour. It's like, you know, what would have happened if the, uh, if the water, you know, the hot water heater would have gone out at 10 o'clock last night. You'd have stayed up an extra hour and fixed it. That's what you'd have done. So it's just not that big. All right, I'll stop preaching. Right, what else is next? All, all church skate night. One of my favorites coming up Monday, March 27th for the whole church. Uh, we can't really fellowship with the church very easily unless we uh, get together someplace else in the wintertime or do it outside. So... Uh, that's going to be that Monday night, uh, 6 to 8. $5 if you want to skate, $2 if you just want to walk in and laugh at the rest of us who are skating. It'll be a blast. You'll love it. If you've never gone with us, then you need to hold on tight. It's just it's just fun. I, that's all I can tell you. It's a lot of fun. Unless you're Amy Sice and you break your wrist. That's not was not when She did that last year. That wasn't good. Uh, celebrating Moms of Littles. That is children 10 and under. So if that's you, Mom, you are invited by the Ladies' Centers of Class to come on Friday the 21st at 6 o'clock. And enjoy appetizers, sandwiches inside, a skit, catered desserts, a blessings bag. Kelly Rooley is going to be the speaker and a question and answer time. They're just having a great time. They just want to encourage you. So uh, if that's you, moms of littles, uh, make, an, make a time for that. That means dads of littles. Uh, you either get the night off or if you have olders, you get the night uh, on with the older ones, right? So I'm assuming they're bringing their kids, right? Is that? Do we know? Anybody know? I'm saying moms of little. Maybe it's just for moms. I take everything back, all right? I'll just let, I'll let you know what happens as we, uh, as we uh, come to that. All right, caregiver's resource class is meeting again this year. Uh, that's Thursday, 7 o'clock. If you're a caregiver or might be becoming a caregiver for someone, uh, you'll learn a lot. It will be worth your while. They have an attorney come in, talk about elder law. They have all kinds of different things that they, they deal with, uh, funeral arrangements, things like that, how to, just how to be a good caregiver. So it's just a great class. You can throw yourself into it. Ladies' banquet's coming up on May the 12th at 6.30. Now listen, it's $5 per person. We'll have about 150, 200 ladies here typically. And guys, what we need is for you to show up as well and help us cook and uh, serve. We do the cooking, we do the serving, we do the cleanup. So we'll have a sign up out there next week, Lord willing, for the guys, but the ladies can sign up now, uh, start getting signed up. That's uh, by April the 30th. I don't know what the uh, menu is yet, ladies. I haven't worked on it. 
but uh, if you want to make some suggestions, you're welcome to do so. Just make sure that it's within the confines of our abilities, right? Uh, not our cooking abilities. We can cook just about anything, but we don't have unlimited kitchen space. Uh, so, uh, but you know, we uh, we'll, we'll serve you something that's always good. We've we've done steaks before. Uh, don't know chicken. Uh, I don't know what else. For pasta. I can't remember what we've done over the years, but it's a lot of fun. You'll enjoy it. All right. And then our missionaries of the week are Jim and Myra Wright. Uh, they are furlough replacement missionaries. Uh, so uh, they go around and replace missionaries who are on furlough uh, in their ministries while they are there. So uh, they have a couple of things. One is a praise and one is a request. They are currently in Cedro Woolley, Washington. Have you ever heard of Cedro Woolley, Washington? I'd never heard of it until I read this. Apparently, it is the gateway to the North Cascades. So the Cascade Mountains, if you want to get to the gateway, go to Cedro Woolley, Washington. Takes you there. That's all I can tell you about. But anyway, they were driving from Orlando to Washington State uh, and uh, in Utah. Uh, they began to hear a noise of something scraping under their car, so they stopped in Nephi, Utah to check it out and discovered that someone had attempted to steal their catalytic converter, but it apparently been interrupted. Uh, the praise is all that was damaged was the plate on it, and they were able to put the plate back up and continue on their journey with no problems. Uh, their prayer request is this. A, a friend contacted them to ask for help. Dan co-watches, if I'm saying that right, mother is declining so rapidly that he needs to return to the States uh, to make arrangements for her care and, and those things. So um, it is not within us, it says, to say no to dear friends. So the prayer request is that uh, we have safe travels from Seattle, Washington, to uh, South Korea on March the 15th as they go to uh, be uh, on furlough, cover that furlough there. So if you would pray for the rights. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless our time together. Father, it is a joy to be able to be here this morning to uh, sing your praises, to lift you up. And God, as you are lifted up, we pray that you would draw all of us unto you, that we would know it's been good to be in your house that you would just do a work in each and every one of our hearts and lives, and we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
maturity. The Epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 10. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law, then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. May the Lord prosper his word whereto he sent it. You may be seated.
Amen. Thank you, Pastor Brett. It is finished. Was this cry to bring salvation to all? We serve a good guy. We're going to sing. The next song we'll sing is Oh, the Goodness of the Lord. We sang this as a hymn of the month probably about three or so years ago and haven't um, sung the song since, so it might need a, might be a refresher to you. But we'll sing all three verses. You can remain seated. Of, oh, the goodness of the Lord. <clears throat> I 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. I trust that that's 
in your heart today. Take your Bible, turn to Exodus, the 33rd chapter of the book of Exodus is where we're going to be, Exodus chapter 33. I went uh, on Thursday, drove out to uh, Pennsylvania to be with Josh and Mia. Mia was um, conducting the pit orchestra for um, Beauty and the Beast at a public high school out there, so that was kind of fun to watch. So on, on Monday of this last week, uh, the uh, some uh, I'll tell you privately because I don't want to put things out on the air, but anyway, so the piano player that they had uh, was unable to play, and so uh, as of Monday, she became the piano player, and so uh, I've got a video, if you want to watch it, it's almost, it's impressive, it's almost hilarious, because she's playing the piano, and then she's conducting, playing the piano, and then she's conducting, and I don't know how she does this with one hand, as her, her hand, you just have to see it, her hand's going like this, and she's conducting like this, and how in the world, I can't follow it, but uh, it went really well, so it was exciting, just to, that was her first time being able to do that, so I want to be a part of it. So uh, made it back last night, and um, time changed. No, I don't notice the time. I have to be honest, I don't notice the time change. Time change, but some of you guys are like that's just a big thing for you. But anyway, it's not going to change anymore. So if you like it or not, doesn't really matter. This is where it's supposed to stay now from now on. They're not going to do any more time changes, so we stay right here. Uh, we are we are stuck on the daylight saving time of of the Eastern time zone. So I like that because that means at night um, during the summers I can stay out till 10 o'clock when TNT we we need that late night sunshine. So it works out really well. Exodus chapter 33. I know this is going to be weird. I'm aware. I am fully aware that uh, the the church and Israel are not the same thing. All right. So I'm aware that, uh, that we're not talking about the same entity here. That God deals with Israel and God deals with the church. Having said that, it is the same God, right? We have the same God overall. And that God is a God who never changes. He is the same God. And so what you're going to find in Exodus chapter 33, I believe if my count is right, uh, there's uh, at least what we're reading, is five times the word grace is used and two times the word gracious, gracious is used. And uh, it's hard to imagine in the Old Testament this God of grace, but there's a God of grace that exists even in the Old Testament. And we're going to see the God of grace and what it means for, for Moses and the children of Israel at this time. And also, what I want them to do is make that leap to us. What, what is it like to have a God who deals with us according to grace? In Exodus chapter 32, the chapter before, anybody remember what happens? Moses goes up on a mountain. He's gone for a long time. The children of Israel decide they don't know when he's coming back. And so they go to Aaron and they say, Aaron, would you please... Make us a golden calf. Make us a new God because we don't know what's happened to Moses. And so, I mean, literally, this is the same. Can you imagine what it would be? I don't know. How in the world could the children of Israel be like this? They, they watched God part the Red Sea. Watched him part the Red Sea. And then just a little bit later, they're like, well, we don't know what happened to Moses. So let's make a new God. What? That doesn't make sense, but that's where they are. Having said that, lest you and I get a little bit too high and mighty and think more highly of ourselves than we ought. We are more like the children of Israel than we ever want to pretend we are, jumping back and forth in our relationship to God. And so grace is definitely needed. And so that's what's just happened in chapter 32. Uh, Moses came down and, and uh, dealt with the children of Israel. And now we get to chapter 33, and uh, some interesting things begin to happen. So let's take a look at verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, Depart, and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up 
out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Let's pray. Father, help us as we look at this concept of grace that you're going to show forth upon Moses and the children of Israel to recognize just how much grace impacts us today and what opportunities it opens up for us. And we'll thank and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, I always, every time I read a passage that has this, I I try to explain this yet again. Uh, This land flowing with milk and honey. The promised land of the Old Testament is not heaven. Yeah, you're getting it, right? It's not heaven. We don't have to battle our way into heaven. There aren't giants in the land of heaven where we have to defeat the enemy. There's no enemy there. That's the whole point of heaven. The, The idea of the promised land, by the way, they also did not have to die to go there. You understand? The promised land was not some place they died to get to, whereas you and I have to die to get to heaven or at least be raptured. Uh, and it would, be, it would create some major issues if the promised land is heaven and Moses doesn't get to go. Do you understand? That would be some major issues too. The promised land of the Old Testament is not heaven. We use it that way oftentimes. I am bound for the promised land. You know, and we, we kind of sing like it's heaven. But it's really not. Uh, it is a here and now. It is a place of God's blessing. It is where God wants to take us so that we can know his blessing in a very unusual way. And uh, in the New Testament, we see it in, in the book of Ephesians, uh, the heavenly places, right? He has called us into heavenly places. Uh, that's the here and now. Right now, we can live in heavenly places. We can enjoy God's blessing. So just so you know, just kind of keep that in mind. But uh, So what's happened is they've sinned, but God is still being true to his promise uh, that he's going to do here. But let me show you something that's changes just a little bit in the middle of verse 3. He says, I'm sending you to a land flowing with milk and honey, but look what God says. For I, God speaking, will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. God literally is saying, Moses, you guys are going to go, but I'm not going with you. I'm going to send my angel before you, but I'm not going with you because I'm tired of your stubbornness. I'm tired of your of your backsliding. I'm tired of the fact that you just worship this false god instead of me. And I'm afraid that if I... I'm, God's not afraid, and don't misunderstand. I'm putting words here. I'm afraid that if I go with you, I'll kill you. Right? I'll consume you. God's literally saying, my holiness and my justice demands more than you're giving. And there's no way that if I go with you, you're in trouble. You're in greater trouble than if I don't. And God says, I'm staying here. And that creates a major problem. I want you to think about what it would be like if in the New Testament we pulled out promises like, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What if that wasn't a part of our New Testament promise? What if, um, what if we pulled out that promise, uh, you know, where is it at, where it says, um, John's, uh, God, Jesus is speaking. Wow, my mind's gone blank. Anyway, he says, whither thou goest, whithersoever thou goest, I will go. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking about the one in, in uh, Esther, I'm talking, or in, uh, in Ruth, I'm talking about in the New Testament. Jesus, you know, as he sent him out, where, they were, where you go, I'm going to go. What if we took those promises out? What if we didn't have a God who was with us everywhere we went? How frightening that would be. And that's what the children of Israel are about to face. 
God has been with them. He's the one. He brought them across you know, the Red Sea and brought them into the wilderness, got them out of Egypt. And God is saying, you know what? I'm tired of... Can I just say this? This is where we're like the children of Israel. Are we stubborn and stiff-necked? Do we kind of jump in and out of our Christianity sometimes? You know, am I the only one in the room that deals with this, or is it all of us, right? So here we are. We're like, we're, we're the stubborn people. The sti- God says go, we say no. You know? God says now, we say later. I mean, that's just our nature, and, and we're not doing what God asks us to do. And God's like, my holiness is not going to put up with your arrogance any longer. You can go on, but I'm staying here. And Moses has a problem. Now, Moses has been told by God that he has found grace in God's eyes. And Moses is about to call upon this God of grace to change what's happening. Take a look, if you would, please, at verse 4. When the people heard these evil tidings... Let's go back into tidings for just a moment. Here are, the, here are the tidings that the people heard. I will send an angel before thee. I will drive out all the enemies. I'm going to give you a ticket to the land full of milk and honey. There's nothing wrong yet. There's nothing bad there. The only bad thing in the news that they're hearing is this. God said, I'm not going with you. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, saying to the children of Israel, Ye are stiff-necked people. I come unto thee in the midst of you know, I, I will come up into thee in the midst of a moment, uh, uh, into the midst of thee in a moment, and consume thee. Therefore, now put off thy garments or thy ornaments from thee. And so they've already done that. The, the people have already started the process of repentance. Like, God, okay, we made a mistake. We we put off the ornaments. So that's what's happening. They did not put them back on because they heard this bad news from the Lord. And Moses is about to speak to God about all this. Verse 5 says, for the Lord, um, I'm sorry, verse 6 says, and the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments and, uh, by Mount Horeb. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out into the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass, when Moses went out into the tabernacle, unto the tabernacle, that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses. They watched Moses until he was gone. And they're all, I mean, everybody's like gathered around, see what's going to happen as Moses is going to go talk to God on behalf of these people. And it came to pass as Moses entered the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And look at this. This is wonderful. And the Lord talked with Moses. The Lord, listen, you and I are the children of Israel. We are. We're that stubborn, stiff-necked people. We're kind of back and forth on how hot and cold our Christianity is running. We're sometimes on fire for God, and then sometimes we're like making the, cold, the golden cap and, and doing something else. Oh, pastor, we would never worship something else. Well, anything that gets between you and God is an idol. You understand? Anything that gets between you and God is an idol. So when you say, when God says, uh, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together, and you say, yeah, but it's uh, 78 degrees out and it's fishing season just opened up, it's a problem. It's a problem. You understand? And so that, that becomes an idol for us. And so we're like the children of Israel all more often than we want to think. But we also have this God who will talk with us in spite of that. And here's Moses he's going into the tabernacle and he's going to talk to God be, be for, on behalf of the children of Israel. But the important part is that God talked to Moses. 
God doesn't give us the cold shoulder. God doesn't turn his back. God talks to Moses. That's just an interesting thing. It's going to be based on this grace, and you'll see that in just a little bit as we get to the verses. And it says in verse 10, And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. Now, things have begun to happen. The people have already taken off the ornaments. Now here are the people. They're worshipping God. Things are turning. They've repented. They're asking God to put his hand of blessing back upon them. They're sending Moses up into the tabernacle to talk to God on their behalf, and things are about to happen. In verse 11, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. Can I just interject something here? This is why online church isn't the way to go. Do you understand? You know what friends, how friends speak? Face to face. We need face to face. That's an important thing. So I'm, I'm glad we have online so that when you have to be out, you can still be. I, I'm glad of that. I'm, I really am. That's a wonderful blessing. Because, you know, it's always rough to be gone sick or whatever, and you miss out on something that, you know, you really wanted to be a part of. So I'm glad we have it. But online church is not an, a, a, a way out of worship. It doesn't work this way. Uh, friends speak face-to-face. Anyway, that's just my little in, input there. And he turned again into the camp, but the servant Joshua, the son of Nun, uh, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Now look at verse 12. And Moses says to the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, now Moses is talking to God, I know thee by name, and thou hast found grace in my sight. Moses is quoting God to God. He says, God, here's what you said. I know you by name, and Moses, you have found grace in my sight. That is the basis for everything that is taking place from this point forward. Moses is going to ask God for something. And it's all based upon the fact that God has said to Moses, you've found grace in my sight. Twice God's going to use this phrase, I know you by name. And it's important to catch this too. And that is that, you know, the, the grace of God is not just a blanket that covers everybody. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It's potentially covering everybody. Do you understand? But here's how the grace of God works in the New Testament. All those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's where the grace that's how the grace of God is accessed in the New Testament. But God is going to be gracious on whom he will be gracious. He's going to tell us that. And so it's just an interesting thing to take note of as we're going through this. He says, I know that I have found grace in thy sight. Verse 13, now therefore I pray thee, Moses speaking, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. So here's Moses. He comes into the throne room of God. He comes into this tabernacle and he calls upon God based upon grace. If I have found grace in thy sight, he asks for a couple things. One, God, show me what we're supposed to do. Show me. Have you ever been in that position, that situation where you're like, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm not sure what the next step is. Here I am. I'm in this corner. And sometimes, like the children of Israel here, we're in this problem. We're in this predicament because of our own making, right? 
The reason they're in this problem is because they're stiff-necked, stubborn people, and they've tried to go their own way, and they've gotten themselves in trouble with God. Sometimes that's us. But either way, Moses comes in and says, God, because we found grace in your sight, would you please show us what we're supposed to do? And then secondly, he goes on to this, and God, show us yourself that we may know thee. God, show us something. Teach us about you. Show us something about you. Now, God, Moses makes these two requests of God. And he goes on and says, that I may find grace in thy sight, that grace may continue to come. So actually three requests that he makes to God. And uh, interesting how he does this. So he says in verse 14, God speaking now, he says, my presence shall go with thee. Look what he says. Moses says, God, show us what we're supposed to do. The whole point, the, the reason they're all upset is because God said, I'm not going. You guys are going to go, but I'm not going. Now Moses steps in and God says, my presence shall go with thee. People struggle sometimes with this. We have a God who changes not, right? That's what the Bible says. But I'm going to tell you how to understand this. Did God change? Three verses earlier, five verses earlier, God says, I'm not going. And now God says, I'm going. Did God change? And hear me out. What does not change about God is his character. Is it God's character to be holy and just? Yes. Is it God's character to be gracious and merciful? Yes. God has not changed. He's still the same God. He has within his character to stay or to go. That's within his character. Moses calls upon his grace, and God says, in his grace, Moses, I'm, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he, Moses now, says unto him, if thy presence go with me not, carry us not up. I mean, literally, Moses is like, God, if you're staying here, we want to stay here. We don't care if it's a land flowing with milk and honey, and we don't care if it's a land where all the enemies are defeated. If you're going to stay here, we want to stay here. If, you, if you're going to go with us, we'll go. I mean, that's how the children of Israel feel. That's not how they felt the chapter before. The chapter before was, God's deserted us. I guess we'll worship another God. But that's because they're fickle, stiff-necked, stubborn people like us. And they need the grace of God in order to get through this. So let's keep going. It says then, verse 16, um, For wherein, Moses is talking, how, wherein, how shall it be known that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Moses asked this question. God, when the world watches, when unsaved people see God's people, how do they know that we're God's people? How do they know that, you know, how, that we have found grace in your sight? How, do, how does someone know that I've been saved by the grace of God, that amazing grace is a part of my life? And this is an amazing thing because this is why it was so important to the children of Israel. Look what it says. Is it not that thou goest with us? Isn't that the important part, God? Isn't your presence what makes your grace so obvious to a lost and dying world? If you are not with us, then how are people going to know that we're your people? He, said, he goes on to say, so shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. We're going to be different from everybody else based on this one thing. God is with us. When we get to the New Testament... 
God fulfills his grace in such magnificent form that he implants his Holy Spirit in each of us as believers. And he never leaves us. So that the world can... Obvious distinction between us and everyone else. And it's not because we're something special. It's because God's grace is that powerful that it becomes evident that people are living under the grace of God. He says, how are we going to know it if, if you're not with us? And um, look at verse 17. I want to show you this. This is great. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Moses says, God, please go with us. Moses says, God, please show us yourself. And God, please give us more grace. And God says, Moses, I'm going to do it. And listen, when you and I feel like we're out there all alone, we feel like we've messed it up, that we've, we've been stubborn and stiff-necked and God's not happy with us right now. Somebody was uh, sharing a story about people not being happy with us. And uh, this person's wife said, uh, I just don't think God's happy with me right now. And her husband said, uh, you know, you may be right, but he's happy with me, so let's just let's just live with that. <laughs> you know, it's it's a matter of perspective, right? It's just a matter of perspective. We're under the grace of God. That's the whole point that, that her husband was trying to make. We're still under the grace of God. God hasn't left us, so let's not panic. It's not time to panic. And here it is. God says, "I'm going to do this, Moses. I'm going to respond to you." Now, if this story stopped there, it would be a great story of grace. How that God will reach out and do. For his people in the name of grace. Moses reminds God, God, you've said, I've found grace in your sight. God says, come on in, let's talk. And they begin to talk. And Moses makes his request. And God, because Moses had found grace in his sight, gives Moses his request. And now God is going to go with the children of Israel into the promised land. Not just send an angel only, but going to go with them. And his presence will be known. That's huge. If it stopped there, it would be, be amazing. But Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says this. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace. And Moses is about to become bold. Moses is going to make a request that no one has ever made to this point in the Scripture. Moses is about to ask God for something that is top. I mean, it's like, this is spectacular. Take a look at what happens there in verse 18. And he said, I beseech thee, Moses is speaking to God, show me thy glory. Now, I want to I wanna challenge us here. As a church, we've been spending some time talking about prayer and spending some time in prayer. And, and, and we've talked about adding the, the uh, revival services coming up uh, in June to that prayer list. And I'm going to ask us to do something, for the revival in particular, to add to the prayer, God, during that revival, show us your glory. Show us something that no one has yet seen, that I've not seen yet. I want to see more, I want to know more about God than I've ever understood. God, I want you to show me more of you than I've ever seen. This is a big request. Uh, you'll see as we keep reading, you, you'll see it's a big request. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, 
and will show mercy upon whom I will show mercy. Then he goes on to say, But thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Now, I'm, it's about to talk about God's face, God's hand, God's back parts, and you're going to ask me to explain this, and I'm going to tell you God's not a man. He doesn't, he's not physical in that aspect, right? I'm aware of that. God is trying to talk to human beings in a way that we can understand. And, and so he's trying to help us understand. But you know, I, if you're trying to ask me to explain God, I, I can't. Here's what I know. God says, Moses, being a human being, there's only so much you can take. And if I showed you my full glory... It would kill you. That's what God says. God says, I'm going to reveal more of you than you've ever seen. But I'm going to hold back because I know what you can take, what you can handle. This is that God of grace. And he's about to do something that has never been done yet. Uh, even, even when we get over to, to uh, go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 when God is walking in the garden with Adam and Eve, um, what what we have there is you know, still a veiled glory of God. Man is always given a veiled glory of God on this side of eternity. It's a, it's a unique situation. But Moses says, God, I want more. And he's still going to give a veiled glory to Moses. But it's going to be more of God than Moses has ever known. And I wonder if, if, if when we are stubborn and stiff-necked and we're going our own way and God is still being gracious, would we perhaps come boldly to the throne of grace and ask God to grow us up in ways we never imagined would happen? Ask God to show himself to us in our families. Do you think it would change your family if God revealed himself in, a, in ways that we've never understood him? Would it change the, the way we, are, we, we come to our Bibles and the way we come to our churches? And Would it change the way we view things in life, if God revealed himself in a unique way. Well, you know, the reason it doesn't happen is you have not because you ask not. Moses is like, here I am, I'm talking to God anyway, and God's being gracious. I'm going to go boldly to the throne of grace, and I'm going to ask God to do something that no one has ever asked him to do. God, show me your glory. Look what, begins, look what happens. You, you know the story, but let's just look at it. And the Lord said, verse 21, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. It shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. Literally, there's like a rock wall, and Moses is going to be standing there, and there's a crack in the wall that's big enough for Moses to slip into. And the idea is this, that Moses is going to slip back in that crack in the wall, and God is giving Moses tunnel vision. He's only going to see what passes in front of that crack in the, in the rock. That's all he's going to see. God's giving him tunnel vision. You can't take it all in, Moses. It's not possible, but I'll let you see this much. And then he says, I'm going to cover thee with my hand while I pass by. I'm going to filter it for a while because you're still not ready for it. And then he says, uh, verse 23, Then I will take my hand away, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face thou shalt, shalt not be seen. Yes, Moses, I'm going to give you your request. You're going to see more of my glory than you've ever known yet it's still not all of what there is because you couldn't take it. Now, you know this story, right? Moses, from that day for several weeks, it seems, in the Scripture, 
glows, literally glows, to the extent that he has to put on a veil on his face because it scares the children of Israel to look at him because he's glowing with the glory of God. He's a changed person. It impacts him in mighty ways. Do you know why most of us will never really ask for this from our God? We don't want to have to deal with the changes that it'll make. It scares us what it, how it might impact us. But if we could today perhaps get a little closer to saying, God, show me more of your glory than I've ever known. As we're working toward revival, as we're working in our homes, as we're working on our, our personal spiritual walk, God, show me more of you than I've ever known. Wouldn't it be incredible if perhaps God would slip us into the crack and just for a moment pass by what it would do to us? That's what I'm challenging you to pray for. Grace allows us to go beyond what seems humanly possible. It allows us to go boldly into the very throne room of God and find grace to help in time of need. Let's ask God to change us with his presence, to do something unique. The grace of God is so magnificent. It's amazing grace. We sing about it. It's uh, you know, marvelous grace, infinite grace, matchless grace. We sing about it as if it's all of those things, but we live as if it is not a big deal. It ought to be that which separates us from everyone else on the planet. We live in the grace of God. And it ought to be obvious to those who are watching us. God says to Moses, I'm going to give you this. And does for Moses almost the unthinkable in revealing himself to Moses. Are you ready to ask God for the big thing? God, show me. Show me. Show my family. Show this church. I don't want to be the pastor of an average church, an average pastor of an average church. I want, I want God to show himself in this church in such a way that Franklin Township is waking up and saying, what's going on over there on Shelbyville Road? What's happening? God's presence is the difference maker. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please. Pastor, I know I'm a Christian. No, I'm saved. No, I'm away to heaven. Don't have any questions about that, Pastor. I, I, I know that I've trusted Christ as my Savior. And if I died today, I'd go to heaven. As testimony of that, would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can praise the Lord with you? Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands down. Most of you put your hands up. If you did not raise your hand, can I tell you some wonderful news about this grace of God? The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us. That's what Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 says. It's available to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And right now, right where you're sitting, you can avail yourself of the grace of God. You have a God who has already said he is willing to be gracious to you. He's already said it. The grace of God has appeared unto all men. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And right now, right where you're sitting, if you would ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and save you, a God who cannot lie will keep that promise. And he will give you eternal life. He'll take away your sin debt. You'll be forgiven and clean. A new person walking out of this room, belonging to God. That's what God wants to do for you. And right now, if you would just do that, that would be wonderful. God would welcome it 
and you will not regret it. Put your faith, your trust, your confidence in God's Son, Jesus Christ, and what he did to bring salvation to the world. To the rest of us, Christian, are you ready to ask God for something bigger? God, I'm thankful that you've done such a wonderful job taking care of us. God, I thank you for answering my prayers, Moses said. Now you're going to go with us, and now you're going to show yourself strong, and now you're going to be more gracious to us. I thank you for that, but God, I want more. God, I want more. Christian, are you ready for more? Are you ready to say, God, I want more? Like Moses, would you come boldly and ask God for the difficult? God, Show me your glory. Change my life through your glory. Change our church. Add this to your prayer list. God, show us your glory. Make us an example of grace to a world that needs to see it. Father, I ask that you would uh, show me your glory. God, that you would show our church, may we be changed by what we see. May it be obvious to a world looking in that your presence is upon us. God, I pray that we would be willing to come boldly to you and draw closer to you than we've ever been. Use the revival, use the different things coming up, and we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing, Only Trust Him, Only Trust Him. As we sing, the altar's open to you. You step out, let the Lord have His way. If you want to talk to someone about what it means to be a Christian, we'd be honored to meet you down front and help you to get that settled today. to uh, recombining our two services back into one. Some of you are like, it's about time, and some of you are like, why? And um, so all I can tell you is, you know, there's a thousand different ways to do things, and I'm going to ask you just to jump on board, and uh, let's see what the Lord's got in store. Um, it's, you know, we've, we've negotiated through this for almost two years now, and um, we're going to try to come back together and be one body and see what the Lord does with that. So... Uh, just, I'm, I'm telling you that because I need you to get mentally and spiritually prepared. You understand? There's going to be battles. There just is. Anytime you try to change something, there's a battle. And uh, so for some of you, it's like a welcome change. And for some of you, it's like, I just got comfortable with what we were doing. And, you know, well, you know, we just keep going to shows. What can I say? But um, so I'm, we'll be giving you some more details about that tonight, so just uh, so you're aware. Deacons were meeting tonight at the 4.30, I believe it is, so... Uh, don't forget that. Is there anything else that we need to be announcing? Lord bless you, keep you, make a space shine, find you, give you peace. Love you all. God bless you. Dismissed. Mm-hmm.